Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights and topical debate. Hello and welcome to the October edition of the Into Security podcast. I'm your host, Eleanor Dalloway, Editorial Director at Info Security Magazine. And joining me today is our Deputy Editor, Benjamin David, and our reporter, James Coker. How are you guys? Very, Very well, well, thank you. We're coming to you in press week. Tomorrow we go to press, so it's a highly stressful week for us and we've been incredibly busy. But we're pleased to be sort of taking a break from all of the uh, proofreading and doing the podcast for you today. As many of you will have known already, October, of course, is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which, funnily enough, is about raising awareness about the importance of cybersecurity, ensuring that everybody has the resources they need to be safer and more secure online. Cybersecurity awareness is particularly vital now, with more of us working from home and the accompanying need for increasingly good cyber hygiene. Interestingly, the theme for this year's Cybersecurity Awareness Month is Think Before You Click, essentially getting us all to pause and consider whether the email that lands into our inbox may be trying to trick us or not. So today's podcast is going to have a cybersecurity awareness theme. We've got an exclusive interview with Holly Grace Williams, Managing Director of Akimbo Core, and she's going to be discussing the significance of Cybersecurity Awareness Month, or perhaps the lack of significance. Uh, the jury is still out um, amongst our team. We also have Laura Hoffner, Chief of Staff at Concentric, who's going to be presenting five ways that organisations can protect themselves against phishing attacks. But to begin with, as always, we will do a roundup of some of the most significant InfoSec news stories that we've recently reported on. So let's begin in the land of law enforcement. James, I'm going to pass over to you for this one. Hello, hello, hello. So, yeah, I'd like to start with a significant <laughs> victory for law enforcement, um, which was the, sorry for the lame joke, by the way, with the arrest of 150 individuals worldwide on suspicion of, of buying or selling illicit goods on the dark web. So the wide ranging operation named Operation Dark Hunter involved the combined effort of police forces in nine different countries who carried out a series of separate but complementary actions, which were coordinated by Europol and Eurojust. So following the actions in Australia, Bulgaria, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Switzerland and the United Kingdom and the United States, 234 kilograms of drugs and 45 firearms were seized, along with more than $31 million in cash and virtual currencies. Uh, 65 of the arrests took place in the United States, 47 in Germany and 24 in the UK. So in the statement, the United States Department of Justice Office of Public Affairs said that through Operation Dark Hunter, Darknet vendor accounts had been identified and attributed to real individuals selling illicit goods on active marketplaces, as well as inactive Darknet marketplaces such as Dream, Wall Street, White House, Deep Sea and Dark Market. Europol added that Operation Dark Hunter emerged from the takedown earlier this year of Dark Market, the world's then largest illegal marketplace on the dark web. They stated, at the time, German authorities arrested the marketplace's alleged operator and seized the criminal infrastructure, providing investigators across the world with a trove of evidence. 
So some really positive news there about effectively tackling criminal activity on the dark web, which is, of course, as we know, a significant challenge for law enforcement. And in this case, it's going to be noted that there was considerable cooperation across the world to, to in order to carry out such a large scale operation. And that's obviously so cri critical when tackling issues such as cybercrime and, and criminal activity in general on the dark web. Yeah, thanks, James. This topic is actually addressed in a feature that we're going to be publishing in the next issue of InfoSecurity Print Magazine, um, which, as I mentioned earlier, goes to print tomorrow, uh, where Mr. Coker himself is going to investigate the importance of data sharing among different organisations and countries to provide law enforcement with the intelligence that they need to carry out such operations. It's actually a really fantastic read, and I'm not just saying that because he's on the pod today. Um, so do check that out. Um, but next, I'm going to hand over to Ben to talk about the ISC Squared Cybersecurity Workforce Study. Yes, so I've actually got some positive uh, news to highlight. So um, this is data from the 2021 ISC Squared Cybersecurity Workforce Study, which actually found the global cybersecurity skills shortage has fallen for the second consecutive year. Now, this study is based on interviews with 4,753 cybersecurity professionals and IT workers who dedicate at least 25% of their time to security tasks. Now, it, re it revealed the shortfall of skilled workers in the industry had sunk from 3.12 million last year to 2.72 million. That's down in part to 700,000 new entrants joining the sector since 2020 and lower demand for workers from APAC, where, where a slower economic recovery impacts small businesses and those in the IT services sector. Now, however, despite the global workforce growing to nearly 4.2 million, there remains a significant skills gap in the sector. Now, APAC has the most critical regional workforce gap despite faltering demand at 1.42 million, while the workforce gap in every other region increased since last year. It's now around 402,000 in North America and 199,000 in Europe, including 33,000 in the UK. Now, this can have a real impact on cyber risk levels in organizations. Now, according to respondents, staff shortages can mean more chance of misconfigured systems, patching delays, process oversight, rush deployments, subpar threat detection and response, and less time for proper risk assessments. Now, demand for talent was highest in cloud computing security, according to the respondents. Commenting on the findings, Clara Rosso, CEO of ISC Squared said, any increase in the global supply of cybersecurity professionals is encouraging, but let's be realistic about what we still need and the urgency of the task before us. The study tells us where talent is needed most and that traditional hiring practices are insufficient. We must put people before technology, invest in their development and embrace remote work as an opportunity. Perhaps most importantly, organizations must adopt meaningful diversity, equity and inclusion practices to meet employee expectations and close the gap. 
Yeah, I think the cybersecurity skills shortage is an issue that we write about and talk about a lot at InfoSecurity magazine. And it's tied into so many other areas such as diversity um, and the use of emerging technology. While it's great to see that progress is being made, there's obviously still a long way to go. Now, speaking of diversity, InfoSecurity magazine is running its annual Women in Cybersecurity networking event in real life uh, next week in Shoreditch, London, and that's on November the 4th. You can visit our website if you're interested in that event, and all are welcome. There's going to be two fireside chats, um, an awesome panel, and a load of champagne and cake, so what's not to love? Um, Anyway, I digress. Um, Back to James now, our resident ransomware expert, a title I've just made up on the spot, to talk about, of course, ransomware. Uh, Thank you. I'll I'll take that. Sounds fairly impressive. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, another, that's right. And, and another story we've covered recently relates to comments made by Jeremy Fleming, who is director of GCHQ at the Cypher Brief annual threat conference. So in his speech, Fleming stated that the volume of ransomware attacks on UK organisations has doubled over the past year, which is obviously very concerning. But perhaps um, for those of us following the various attacks that have taken place, perhaps an unsurprising revelation. So Fleming was quoted as saying, I think that the reason ransomware is proliferating we've seen twice as many attacks this year as as last year in the UK is because it works it just pays criminals are making very good money from it and are often feeling that it's largely uncontested in the shorter term we've got to sort out ransomware and that is no mean feat in itself we have to be clear on the red lines and behaviors that we want to see we've got to go after those links between criminal actors and state actors So those comments have come shortly after NCSE CEO Lindy Cameron warned UK businesses that ransomware is the most immediate cyber threat they face uh, during a recent speech at Chatham House's cyber conference. Um, So even though, unlike other countries, most notably the US, the UK has not suffered a really wide scale uh, ransomware incident. Um, say on the scale of Colonial Pipeline or Casilla ransomware breaches, uh, perhaps since the WannaCry incident back in 2017. But there's nevertheless been countless smaller victims with those in sectors such as education and local government particularly uh, severely hit. Uh, And as Fleming pointed out, Unfortunately, ransomware is is a tactic that's working at the moment and threat actors are becoming increasingly bold in their approach. So it's clear that new approaches are are needed to defend against this threat alongside cybersecurity tools and and practices. In particular, finding ways to remove the need for organisations to pay extortion demands and and also increasing the effectiveness of law enforcement agencies to to disrupt and ultimately arrest and prosecute these, these actors. Thank you, James. So that's going to be it for news today. But we now like to dive back into our Cybersecurity Awareness Month theme. And it's a really strange month for us because, of course, uh, InfoSecurity magazine towers every month is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Um, We do commit, however, each October to producing content aimed at a non-industry level, uh, non-technical Um, level to help Joe Bloggs and his nan keep themselves safe. Um, James wrote a great feature actually this month along those lines and you can find that if you search for hashtag CSAM on infosecurity-magazine.com. 
Now, a big objective of Cybersecurity Awareness Month is informing organisations about how to protect themselves against phishing attacks. Benjamin, you've got an important segment on this topic, I believe. Yes. So here, of course, at Info Security Magazine, we know that phishing attacks have exploded in the past 18 months with cyber attackers capitalizing on the increasing number of people using the Internet for everyday services and work. Now, this is why week two of this year's actually um, Cybersecurity Awareness Month was dedicated to this vector under the slogan of fight the fish. Now, these type of attacks disrupt and cause significant losses to businesses. To consider more about what organizations can do to protect themselves against phishing attacks, I sat down with Laura Hoffner, Chief of Staff at Concentric, a risk management firm that provides security services and intelligent solutions to keep people safe worldwide. Laura, thank you for joining me on today's Into Security podcast episode. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we are just going to jump into uh, the five things that we have identified here at Concentric of what organizations can do in order to better prepare themselves for a cyber extortion event. I know everybody has heard of these big events that have been going on in the news recently, and so much of the reporting seems to focus on what you do if you end up being a victim which we call right of boom. But there are things that you can do left of boom that hopefully will prevent you from even becoming a victim in the first place. But if that's unavoidable, then you will be better prepared to respond. So we've got five items here. One is create a crisis action plan. Two is get cyber insurance. Three is ID your external players that you will have on retainer. Four is practice taking that network down. And then five is ID your threshold. So I'll kind of go through each of those in a little bit more detail, starting one with that crisis response plan, which of course is one of the more boring items on the list (laughs) and nobody wants to do it prior to the event. Um, But it is so important to identify what those communications are going to be if you do go down and regularly test those. Set up some pre-existing chat rooms with your relevant parties and a phone list for external players a phone list, that old school, written out, have it outside of your software for those external players. That would include your forensics team, your legal counsel, and your payment facilitators. And then within this is developing and approving those emergency playbooks, such as who has the delegated authority to do what during the crisis, because God forbid you won't be able to access who you need to to get that authority in the moment. Number two is get that cyber insurance. So yes, the rates are going up. Let's just acknowledge that. But that's because of the likelihood of these incidents. So that shouldn't be a deterrent. It should more so be an accelerator as to why you need this insurance. Number three is ID your external players and have them on retainer. So identify who that forensics team is going to be who will come in during the event and then will answer to your legal counsel and then identify a payment facilitator prior to the crisis. So that payment facilitator is the one that you're gonna go to if unfortunately you do need to pay ransom, they will facilitate that cryptocurrency payment on your behalf so that you don't need to maintain X amount of dollars in a cryptocurrency guessing what you think the extorters will want as payment. They will do that on your behalf. Now, it's so important to identify these guys prior to the crisis because, as we all know, they're being overworked these days. So worst case scenario, 
you could go into that long queue of new companies to support if you don't have that pre-existing relationship with them already. Number four is practice taking your network down. And this not only allows you to identify the kinks and setting the system back up and identify the speed at which you can bring everything back online, but it'll also force your team to identify which aspects of the network are priority to be brought back online first. Of course, uh, holidays are a good time to practice that while people are out of the office, but keep in mind holidays are also a good time for cyber extortion events because they really like to do it either on a Friday afternoon or when they think people won't be in the office. <laughs> so number five, ID that threshold. And there are multiple thresholds that you'll need to identify within this. One is how long can you afford to be down? And how expensive is that each day that you are down? What is your internal maximum ransom amount that you could pay? And then what are you vulnerable to? Is it that your network is, would be taken down or that your information is stolen? Usually it's both, but right now with this trend of double extortion events where not only are you being held for a ransom for bringing your network back, but then an additional ransom for that information to not be released to the public, it's better to know what is more important to you prior to that crucial decision needing to be made. So these are all the tough decisions and actions that you can make prior to the crisis that will leave you better prepared to hopefully not become a victim but if you do, it'll be a much more streamlined event and you will not be nearly as caught off guard as you would be without these actions. That's great. Thank you, Laura. Of course. Excellent. Well, those were five really practical, great best practices to protect against phishing attacks. And we do love a listicle at InfoSecurity and this was no exception. This really helps to explain why the theme for this year's Cybersecurity Awareness Month is Think Before You Click. Yeah, and it's it's more important than ever, really, with the stark rising phishing attacks and cyber attacks that are now occurring every every 39 seconds on average. In fact, 64% of companies worldwide have experienced at least one form of cyber attack. And perhaps more worrying is that 90% of all cyber attacks are caused by human error. So these stats really show that the ongoing threat organizations are facing and the need to ensure cybersecurity awareness at all levels. Recently, a study found that nearly a quarter of Brits receive phishing emails asking them to download their proof of vaccination in the past six months. So that really highlights how uh, cyber criminals have leveraged the, the COVID pandemic in, in many different ways throughout the last 18 months or so. And there's also been several new phishing trends emerging during this period, aside from the increased volume of attacks. Uh, for example, while email is the, the method most commonly associated with phishing, other forms of digital communication are increasingly being utilised for this purpose, such as social media. Every 39 seconds is insane. I've been trying to think about something else that would happen every 39 seconds. And the only thing I sort of came up with was my children asking for snacks. <laughs> uh. It's actually probably more frequent than every 39 seconds. But it certainly feels like it anyway. Um, but Benjamin, so you had the opportunity to sit down with Holly Grace Williams uh, to discuss this important month and topic. Yes, I sat down with Holly, someone who has been working in technology and cybersecurity since 2007 to discuss what Cybersecurity Awareness Month means to her and what organizations can do to secure good cyber hygiene. 
Holly Grace has uh, 14 years of experience in leading information security teams. Uh, her early career was spent in the military, working in roles such as site security officer, although she now works with various organizations delivering information security testing. She is also the technical lead for Akimbo Core, leading both the development of the software platform as well as leading the security testing team capability. Holly, welcome to the Into Security podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Fantastic. So I was hoping we could start by you telling us a bit about your role as managing director at Akimbo Core and some of your general thoughts or goals regarding Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Oh man, two big questions. So the thing that I'm known for within the industry is my work uh, as a penetration tester, although that isn't necessarily what I would consider my job these days. If you're counting what I'm known for, it's penetration testing. If you're counting what I'm paid for, it's being a business leader. And if you're counting what I spend most of the hours of the day doing, it's writing code. So generally speaking, I summarize all of that as I, I break into computers for a living, but actually working out specifically what my role is, it's a little bit more complicated. On the uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month uh, piece, though, um, I'm not a big fan of the month in general. I think that um, the way that a lot of companies approach it is um, not uh, is possibly in itself uh, worse than doing nothing. Uh, and I think that'll come out throughout this discussion that um, I think a lot of companies broadly giving generic security awareness training is not actually helpful. Well, with Cybersecurity Month's theme being do your part, be cyber smart, uh, what might employees and beyond do um, to do their part by focusing on, on being cyber smart? I think the big thing to understand is that um, everybody's threat model is different. The way that cybersecurity will impact you uh, differs based on who you are, what your background is, what your history is, the organization that you work for, and those kinds of things. And that means that uh, broad and sweeping statements, as we see many companies pushing out during this month, uh, aren't necessarily helpful. You have to apply context to them. So you, you'll see a lot of companies saying things like, uh, one that I recently complained about, a good example, is um, change your password regularly. Um, why? There's actually a lot of best practice guidance out there that says you shouldn't do that. Um, the NCSC and uh, NIST 800.63b, for examples, that's the UK and US side of best practice, both say that you shouldn't change passwords after an arbitrary amount of time has passed. Yes, you should change them if you believe that they've been compromised, but otherwise you, you shouldn't. It leads users to choosing bad passwords. And in my experience as a penetration tester, it leads to password one, password two, password three, or summer 2021, autumn 2021, uh, passwords like that. So to directly answer the question, as an employee, if you're looking at how can you be cyber smart, is take the guidance that you hear and apply it to your context. And most importantly, try and work out what the why is. If somebody's giving you a single blunt piece of guidance, change your password regularly. What risk is that trying to mitigate and does that risk apply to you? That's the way to be cyber smart. Good answer. So um, what security trends or hardware, software, information or physical have you seen emerge over the, the past year or so? 
Um, generally speaking, I don't think cybersecurity changes that quickly. I don't think we have uh, material changes in the industry as a whole over, say, the last 12 months. Uh, I think if you look at what a lot of organizations are struggling with, uh, it's going to be um, threats that are very, very old. So organizations are struggling with things like ransomware. Ransomware has been around since, uh, what, the late 1980s. Ed's Trojan in 1989 is probably the first example. Organizations are still struggling with that. So I don't think companies should look for broad changes in uh, how cybersecurity is different now, but it might help to look for specifically how have the uh, the details changed. So yes, ransomware has been around for three decades, but how is ransomware different today than it was five years ago? An example of a, a change that is relatively recent is the fact that um, threat actors are not only encrypting data now, but they're also stealing data and encrypting it. So they have two points of leverage here. Not only are you dealing with loss of control of the data on your side, but there's also the potential for a data breach. So concentrating a little bit more on um, the attack chain, the individual aspects of a breach, as opposed to broadly, oh, this is ransomware. Um, I think if somebody wants a, a takeaway specifically for the ransomware example, it would be uh, ransomware is a payload, not an attack type. It's the end of the attack chain. So you need to look at the details. That's what matters. Excellent. And what do you see as the top security challenge facing organizations now? And also, what advice do you have on how to resolve or address those challenges? I think a lot of companies are still looking for pithy quotations and uh, and snappy one-liners. So you'll hear people talking a lot about uh, passwords. You'll hear people talking a lot about um, patching perimeters, those things, because they're very easy to to kind of give you it. Well, you should patch your systems. Well, you should choose secure passwords. Uh, I think the the benefit that organizations will get is maybe a little bit deeper than that. If you've absolutely nailed patches, passwords, and perimeters, which let's be honest, most organizations haven't, there's still weaknesses within the system. To give you a good example, there would be things like uh, default and common misconfigurations. Your system might be up to date, but if you have insecure protocols enabled, uh, compatibility modes enabled, then there's still going to be weaknesses there. So I think if people are looking you know, listening to us and looking for some something something else that they can take away from this. Um, system hardening is a great thing to do. Not only looking at, at networks in terms of how can we harden our perimeters, but individual end-use devices. How can we lock those down? That's going to help you not only against external attackers, uh, the, the common hackers that people worry about, but it can also limit what uh, staff members can do. So you're going to have some mitigation towards uh, insider attacks as well. Excellent. And very lastly, Focusing on emerging security risks, do you have any advice on how to prevent or mitigate security threats? I mean, can you give me an example of uh, an emerging threat that I can't immediately knock down with that's five years old? Every time we hear about a new kind of attack, it's not really that new. Um, I think if organizations are looking for you know, keeping up to date with, with security guidance, then uh, really, that's just following the changes in technology that they're using. If they're moving to cloud, if they're moving to agile, if they're doing DevOps, then those things will impact that risk and they should make changes based around that. But that's not cybersecurity changing. That's this organization changing. So keep up to date with, you know, if you're a, a, a leader, if you're a CISO or something like that, keep up to date with what your team are doing, the technologies that they're using and the ways that they're operating. Uh, and that's really where I'd focus on things being new. Holly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
some fascinating insights there from from Holly Grace, and it was it was really interesting to get a bit of a different perspective on on the effectiveness of awareness months, like such as Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and that's definitely a perspective organisations should keep in mind, I think. And it also be interesting to see what 2022 will look like if organisations can implement the best practices that have been uh, advised during the month. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody remember that every month is Cybersecurity Awareness Month at InfoSecurity. And actually at Relex, our, um, the organisation we work for, we, we have a year-round campaign and I feel like we're getting um, bombarded with messages um, all year round, not just in October, which is a really positive thing, of course. So sadly, that is all we've got time for in this month's episode of the Into Security podcast. I really hope you enjoyed listening in. And of course, we'll be back next month for another installment on another theme. And also the Into Security November chats episode will be available shortly. So thanks again for listening. And until then, I've been Eleanor. I've been James. And I've been Benjamin. Thanks for listening to Into Security. For in-depth interviews with the industry's finest minds, check out our sister podcast, Into Security Chats. Join us again next month. Until then, stay safe and keep up to date with everything you need to know about information security via the infosecurity-magazine.com website.